0: Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, the podcast that takes us to a random Wikipedia article and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about? Oh, for (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works, hang on. Wait, Fergus, Fergus, rewind all of this.
1: (laughs) Hello, I'm Dan. Hi, Simon! And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week?
0: I'm so glad you asked, Dan. Um, This week we are talking about the New Caledonia Men's National Handball Team. Oh my goodness, it's the dream. (laughs) It's the dream. I'm sorry, I got so excited and messed up the intro because I I had such a, a, a scintillating article to talk about. Yeah,
1: good grief.
0: Um, I will be okay. Let's let's show how the sausage is made a little bit. Um, basically, we just had a bit of a chat before the show, and we've determined that we have a fair bit to talk about this week. So, when I asked if it was okay if we had a quite a short article, we we seem to have determined yes. Mm. Um, so, I will read you the entire article, Dan, about the New Caledonia men's hand, national handball team. Brilliant, right? <clears throat> so, I've got a bit of a throg in my throat. <clears> throat> right, where's well, New Caledonia, anyways? Oh, it's French-owned, that's why. I've got a frog in my throat. Uh, Right, okay. The New Caledonia National Handball Team is the national handball team of New Caledonia. Love it. They have won the Oceania Handball Nations Cup in 2008 and have finished second in the Pacific Handball Cup twice. They won the Oceania Nations Cup, hosted in New Zealand in 2008, and they have come second in the Pacific Handball Cup, hosted in Sydney in 2004-2006. Their colours are corn red and eshin grey. And
1: that's it. That's the entire article. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, sometimes I do think why some articles on Wikipedia exist.
0: I mean, this one looks like it's for completeness. There is like a, a section at the bottom that's like, National handball teams of Oceania... I see. Uh, OCHF, the Oceania Continent Handball Federation. Uh, not all of them actually have um, red... Sorry, not all of them have proper links. A lot of them are red links down here. But it, what's interesting is that they are consistently... You know, like, Australia has a link always. New Zealand does. Vanuatu does. Tahiti does. New Caledonia does. And that's it. Like, there's all these other tiny nations like Fiji, Kiribati, Samoa, Micronesia. They all have handball teams, apparently. Wait, Wait a minute. They, there's also a defunct link to the Queensland women's state handball team, right? Separate from the Australia one. Is Queensland not? Yeah, it's a place within Australia. I'm not going mad. Yeah, Queensland. Yeah, it's it's a it's a state, northern state, isn't it? it it's 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 not, but it's not a separate country. So why is the
1: Queensland state team going up
0: against the Australian national team?
1: If I recall correctly. I think there was always a little bit of a kind of satirical joke uh, that Queensland was referred to as the um, People's Republic of Queensland. I think they like to think (laughs) of themselves as a little bit more separate than the other states. Right, Okay. But I have no idea why. I mean, I'm sure it will come as a surprise to you, Simon, but I'm not that into, nor am I an expert on, handball.
0: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, when I think of handball, I used to play a game in Scouts that was... Um, we called handball, but we, you know, handball is, I think, formally um, a bit like. Um, well, actually, no. Hang on, let me have a quick look. I always thought it was a bit like netball. Um, so there is like a goal at each end, right? Team sport. Two, two teams of seven players each. Pass the ball using their hands with the aim of throwing it to the goal of the team. So basically, when I what I used to play was a little bit like this, but it was it had elimination rules, so you could only hit the ball with your hand once, and then somebody else had to hit it before you could hit it again. The other thing was you could only hit it, you couldn't throw it. It was like a blunt contact. Right. Um, and if it hit you on the body anywhere other than on your hand, you were removed from the rest of the game. Right. So there was a very aggressive nature to this, of like you had to try and smash the ball into somebody else's body or face or, you know, whatever. Um and and we used to play it as well in an arena that was an enclosed sports hall. And if it you you were allowed to bounce it off the walls, but if it hit the ceiling, you were also out. Yeah. Um, it's very it's really fun. I haven't thought about that game for a very long time actually. It was one of my favorite things to do as a kid.
1: I played a bit of handball in at my school in the Netherlands, but I wouldn't have been very old at all because I was still a like a primary school. Um, mm. Otherwise. Maybe I need to get into handball. Maybe I'm missing out. It's an old game.
0: Yeah, handball...
1: It's a really old game. Ooh, trace back to ancient Greece. Yeah. Expulsim wow. Expulsim ludere. Uh, bless you. Yeah,
0: thank you. I've got an awful uh, head cold. Uh, summary. After receiving the ball, players can pass, keep possession, or shoot the ball. Players are not allowed to touch the ball with their feet. The goalkeeper is only allowed to use their feet, but only within the goal area. If possessing the ball, players must dribble not similar to the basketball dribble, or can take up to three steps or up to three seconds at a time without dribbling. Um, you can't basically touch the floor near the goal. The ball may not be passed back to the goalkeeper when positioned in the goal area. Yeah. Oh, I see. Notable scoring opportunities can occur when attacking players jump into the goal area, so you cannot put your feet on the ground in the goal area. Yeah. Ah, that's fun. Yeah. That's right. Really... And also the court is a very unusual shape. It looks like it's almost a 2 to 1 kind of ratio. Like it's a very well compared to other sports pitches. It looks very long and thin.
1: Yeah. I remember I remember when I played it in at school there were lots of opportunities to do very cool kind of jumping throws into that kind of almost like the equivalent of the end zone in um something like ultimate frisbee or right. which I yeah. also played which if you haven't played is a brilliant game.
0: I've only played very briefly. I think I played one game of ultimate frisbee, and I—I I, was pants at it. So. I loved it. <laughs> Another game. Did you ever play korfball? As in korf castle in Dorset. No, it's and it's, it's. I only ask because it's a Dutch sport, and I wondered if you played it whilst you were in the Netherlands.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, it's a bit, it's a like basketball, but uh, um, uh, oh god, hang on. I'm gonna. We have a, a large number of Dutch people in our community. Down. I don't know if you knew this. Mm. Um. And I am almost certainly going to mangle this this game. Um, eight per- oh, yes, it's a mixed sport. That's it. You have four male players and four female players per team. Um, it was invented in 1902 by uh, Nico Brookhuysen, uh, a Dutch school teacher. Um, and it looks like... I might be misreading this completely... No, okay, good. Yeah, the, I thought there might have only been one basket, but there's not. There's two baskets. it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit like basketball, but the the ball, the, the ring is further in from the end. Like it's not at the very end of play. It's sort of in the middle of the zone. Right. Um. And the wow, looking at the World Corfball Championships, it's been won by the Netherlands every single time, apart from. In 1991, where Belgium won, and, and the Netherlands came second, and Chinese to Taipei came third. Yeah. What a weird place to play ball. Um Does anybody... Oh, there's beach korfball as well. Um, I'd be really interested. You know, we, ha- we haven't had a huge number of emails in recently, um, because uh, we are of dwindling relevance. But... Um, I would be really interested to hear from people if you are listening to this, if you're reading the podcast, and you play an unusual sport. Mm. Send us an email with what you play and what you love about it. Admittedly, no one's playing anything at the moment apart from themselves. Um, but you know, before the Rona times, what did you play? What what would what would you say your favourite sport was, Dan, to play?
1: Well, I think I I played a lot of table tennis in. The Netherlands, in Australia which was a very wise summer sport to play because you played mm. them in air conditioned halls and um, <laughs> Australia is quite hot you may, may be surprised to know mm. um, I enjoyed volleyball played quite a lot of volleyball uh, mm-hmm. I was um, I was and still am quite a keen swimmer I think I kind of I didn't mind many things I mean Australian rules football I loathed uh, rugby and touch rugby I wasn't a fan of well, you were used as
0: the ball for those sports. Well, pretty much. So I can much. understand why you didn't like it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's probably easier to say the sports I didn't like, in which case like, <laughs> full full contact sports and something like, I don't know, cross country that I had to do. Uh, I really, really disliked that. But what about you? Uh,
0: I played, well, so a lot of the stuff I played was with scouts. We played a bit, fair bit of football, played a lot of handball. Um, in school, I was a county competitor for discus Oh wow. Yeah, uh, it's not to be fair it's not the kind of thing that comes up in conversation very frequently. Um but yeah, I used to um I used, I used to throw for what like 3 or 4 years I guess um before I stopped doing PE sort of like full time because you know option blocks. Mm. But um yeah, like I, I went to a couple of county competition levels. Um I used to play hockey. I I played men's and
1: mixed hockey for the school. Uh, yeah, I played a lot of hockey. and There's a lot of hockey in the Netherlands.
0: Yeah, Netherlands are really good at hockey.
1: Because I went to the,
0: was it the European Championships? I think it was in Manchester. And like the club that I practiced with. Never played for the club. I was never confident enough to actually ask if I could play in a match. Which um, uh, is like me all over. Uh, but uh, yeah, like we, we went on this organized trip to Manchester. And I remember watching the, the Dutch team. Because they looked exactly as you would expect a Dutch international sports team to look. Mm. They were all outrageously attractive. Very tall and blonde. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really fun to watch. Like, if people haven't seen uh, like a professional level hockey match, it's really something to watch because it's so fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like hockey and discus were sort of the two main things I did, and then I don't know really. I haven't really played any sport. Well, I, I rode That was the last sort of thing that I did, at a sort of reasonable level. Um, it was
1: was rowing at Oxford, and and that was about it. Oh, you rode? Yeah, sorry, I thought you meant like on a horse. <laughs> and I was like, this is yeah. something I did not know.
0: <laughs> well, I have done a, a, a few bits of, of horse riding because I have I have a cousin in Scotland who was really into horses. Whenever we visited, we used to do some stuff and uh, you know like go trekking and then yeah. uh, ta- uh, um, hacking. That's the right word. Yeah. Uh, and then my first girlfriend was very much into horses, so I learned a fair bit about it from her as well.
1: I too used to used to horse ride. I don't know if I knew that about you. Yeah, it was one of the weird, one of the weird things I went through. <laughs> I think I've got a slightly, when I say slightly, I mean very obsessive personality. If I get into something,
0: you you really get into I, It
1: completely takes over my life. So much like with music, if I find a new band I like or a new new anything, I will just listen to it on repeat until I know every inch of it back to front, and then I will be able to move on. Yeah. Um. I think that's also where my obsession with listening to the harry potter audiobooks comes from i mean i just i can listen and listen and listen and it it never gets old it never gets boring if anything it gets better the more i know it um yeah it's very odd uh yeah
0: well no i don't know if that's odd it's just a different way of doing things really it's it's do you think that is more enjoyable as an existence than flitting constantly from thing to thing Like, you know, you get a different appreciation, surely, from doing something for longer.
1: Yeah, probably. I think, interestingly enough, in my last uh, therapy session, um, I spoke about this and spoke about how I tend to kind of obsess over things, little things I think I like having control over. And I think it kind of stems from that. And I get comfort in knowing that I can kind of not necessarily control something, but I know what's going on, you know, so I like... I like planning things. If I don't plan something, I get stressed out. Um, yeah, I, 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 consider myself fairly spontaneous. Like if it's a nice day, I'll say, Ooh, let's go to the beach. That'd be fun. Um, I can do that. But if I'm doing that, then I'll have to think, I'll have to spend half an hour being like, okay, let's get a bag together. Do I have everything I need? Do I, you know, do I have I got, have I got my sun cream? Have I got my inflatable armbands? Have I got my <laughs> goggles? Um, you know, have I, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, and then we kind of started probing into why that is from, kind of childhood and 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 finding comfort in books and audiobooks. and it's yeah, it's it was a very interesting conversation.
0: I mean, I I'm quite similar in that I uh, I need. Pixelgirl and I are very different in that we approach. I'm basically like you, and she will just be like, "Oh, I'm going to go to the beach today," and then just go. Yeah, and you know, it's whereas for me, it's like stuff has to be telegraphed quite sorry but makes it sound like i'm from the 19th century i have to I have to be tele, tele, telegraphed way far in advance of such a trip um yeah like i have to i i have to mentally prepare for doing it whereas mm. that's not something she really has to seemingly worries about
1: i think this is something that we noticed when we a first kind of got to know each other and then subsequently moved in um mm. the in terms of our kind of Brains. I think they 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 work in quite similar ways. Certainly, the number of occasions where we could just either finish each finish each other. Oh my gosh, finish <laughs> each other's sentences. We could fit. We could. <laughs> um <laughs> do know what's happening to me. What's happening to me? Um, we could finish each other's sentences, or just kind of not even finish each other's sentences with words. Mm. There would just be like a look. You know, famously, whenever. Our friend Michael was giving one of his keynote speeches um and and we could William sandwich, yeah. we would just there'd just be a moment where we'd just both kind of like cock our heads to one side and kind of look to the sky and a kind of what well, hang on what, what? what did he what? say? <laughs> it's very is it very odd. Um,
0: yeah, I, I you know, perhaps I'd be better off marrying you, Dan. I don't know. No, I, I think, but the thing is there is definitely something to be said about, like, if you're in a relationship with somebody, not being too similar to them. Because otherwise, you're always on the same page, yes, and so that reduces conflict. But, like, one of the benefits of being in a relationship is that you kind of round out each other's edges and Mm -hmm. you uh, add something to the other person. And Pixel Girl definitely adds so much to my existence. I'm not convinced that I add a lot to her existence. Yeah, you
1: do. Oh, hello. Sorry, I heard you talking sweet things.
0: Oh, that, um I I take it all back. <laughs> I love you. Bye. Bitch. I ain't I never going to stop you. loving you. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, anyway, uh relationships who needs it me? Um Uh, <laughs> uh what well, we,
1: we were talking about netball? Oh, no, um uh, uh, handball, weren't we? Yes, we were. We should have put some uh, we should have put some little uh kind of what, what was it that I used to say in a conversation? Oh, put a pin. Yeah, put a little pin in there so you can trace back your steps. Yeah.
0: Um, not convinced that actually worked. No, not but... at all.
1: Absolutely not. Because then instead of having to remember the conversation, you've got to remember that you put a pin in something, which then means that you can't remember the conversation. So if anything, it's actually more unhelpful. More confusing. Yeah. It's like a rememberal. It's like, a remembral. It's like yes. I've,
0: I've forgotten something, but I don't know what... I've forgotten what I forgot. Yeah. God, I identify so much with Neville Longbottom. Yeah. I've... I really, really do. Um, oh, well, actually, oh, God, we've got lots to talk about. Um, Dan, before we get to Critics Corner, we both have a fair bit to talk about there, um, would you like to introduce us to a new piece of the week,
1: perhaps of the choral variety? And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, Drumroll, please. Well, I'm so glad you gave that wonderful lead-in to a choral variety piece uh, because it's not going to be a choral piece again. It's going to oh. be a po- <laughs> it's going to be a poetical thing. Oh no, it's the Old Man Dan podcast again. It is. It's back and it's going to be even more Old Man Dan because it's not technically poetry. Um it's it's an extract from Hamlet. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, I recently rewatched the brilliant film Withnail and I. I don't know whether you've seen it, Simon. I've seen bits of it. Yeah, uh, there's the I know there's the drinking challenge. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I love it. Anyway, at the end of uh, at the end of of that film, there is a a brilliant a brilliant speech given by. Uh, a kind of sickeningly hungover and intoxicated Withnail. Mm. Uh, and it, it it the rain is pouring down. He's there in his kind of stinking clothes, clutching an umbrella and a bottle of wine. And he delivers this really powerful, moving speech, which is taken from Hamlet, uh, Act 2, Scene 2. And I'm a bit obsessed with it, and I'm trying to commit it to memory, <laughs> uh, as I do with a lot of kind of poetry that I really like. I mean, for instance, I am by John Clare that I think I've read before, that is now firmly ingrained in my uh, in my mind.
0: Would you would you like to read something at Pixel Girl and I's wedding? Yeah,
1: alright. I was thinking maybe like stop the clocks. The yeah. Stop the, that's a bit that I mean yeah, okay. <laughs> As in the stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, stop the dog from barking yeah. with a juicy bone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure, why not? I mean, I kind of associate that more with funerals, but... Ah, uh, so do I. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you want, I could read something even more fitting, like The Menu. Um, What's that? I don't know that one. The, as in a menu, Simon. Oh, I thought you meant there was a famous poem called The Menu. No, I meant The Menu as in a thing that has food on it. <laughs> okay. Or The Seating Plan, perhaps. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure you can make it interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure I could tell you what I can make interesting, though. A little speech oh, from Hamlet, oh, <laughs> Act Two, Scene Two. Um, it's really good. I think it's really good. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read it in the original text. I'm not going to read any of these modern text translations because oh, God. heavens above, no, they're just absolute. They're just rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> this is the final bit from With Nail and I. Uh, A speech from Hamlet, which I think is rather nice. I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, forgone all custom of exercises, and indeed it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame, the earth, seems to me a sterile promontory, this most excellent canopy the air look you this brave o'erhanging hanging firmament this majestical roof fretted with golden fire why it appears no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours what a piece of work is a man how noble in reason how infinite in faculty in form and moving how express and admirable in action how like an angel in apprehension how like a god the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me, no, nor woman neither, though, by your smiling, you seem to say so. There you go. I think it's really... Oh, that was the. That's I, it.
0: I am never really sure when Shakespeare quotes end if I'm honest with you. There's a line after that by
1: Rosencrantz, uh, just kind of basically being like, Hamlet, chill out. (laughs) Well, he said, Rosencrantz says, my lord, there was no such stuff in my thoughts. Um, But it's just great. I love, I love it. I mean, just the line, look you, this brave o'erhanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire, why it appears no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours. Oh, great language! Uh, you know you can really sink your teeth into it. Anyway, that's my choral piece of the week. Oh, what a choice! <laughs> amazing, amazing. Alrighty, well done. We
0: find ourselves now in critics' corner, and mm-hmm. um, I would like you to tell me a little bit more about what you've been up to for the past week, specifically in relation to the world of Warcraft.
1: Okay, right. So. As regular readers will already be aware, uh, I have played the World of Warcraft game for a while, it's safe to Mm -hmm. say, specifically the classic version of the game, not the retail version of the game, though I obviously played retail until classic was available. Um, And I've been on a little bit of a break from uh, uni, which has been nice. I've got a little two week holiday. Uh, So in that time, I've been playing WoW because... I don't really wow. play it in the week because I don't. Wow, wow. Um, because I, I don't really play it in the week because I'm awfully busy. So I've been making the most of that before this weekend's, and I go back to uh, studying full time. And an exciting thing has happened, and a thing that's happened that I'm able to review in this most glorious of corners, Critics Corner. Um, I applied to join a guild. But what is a guild, Daniel? Well, I was going to say we are—we're both very aware of a guild because, of course, Exeter University doesn't have a students' union. Mm-hmm. It has—it has a guild, um, which is basically like a students' union. Um, it just has a different charter and a couple of different rules of governance. Um, but it's more or less what we call our students' union—the um, students' guild. So it's a—it's um, a—it's a congregation of folk led by uh, an elected committee. In in Exeter's case, a president, Uh, and it's just basically a way of people people to kind of gather and uh, commune with each other and do little things as part of one big uh, group. Think of it like a um, like a political party, I guess. Political parties famously, however, not very fun. Well, this is the thing. So the glorious thing about a guild in, in in the world of Warcraft is that you can gather with other folk, much like if people are familiar with uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and you have like a role-playing party. Um, it's like mm. that, but on a bigger scale. Um, And you can organise little things to do with each other in-game. Uh, you can help each other out. You can chat on like a Discord chat and things. It's lovely. Anyway, this particular guild I've applied for and and... I'm in, is called the Storm Lords. Uh, and it's on it's on the particular server I play, but what makes it cool is that well, nothing makes it cool. It's World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, I like that you stopped
0: yourself there. Yeah. That's that's good that you're aware.
1: What makes it interesting is that it has a thousand members and it spans ninety countries. So it's totally international. They have their own dedicated website with like a members' portal, and it is the most organized thing bearing in mind that there is no there is nothing facilitated by really by the game itself aside from you being able to join a group everything else you've got to kind of do off your own back Mm. and the chap who organized this guild back in 2012 um is an absolute legend he puts so much time into like he, he he's there is a guild charter that everyone must go through and sign there are there are ranking tiers oh, of membership there are like honestly it is incredible the amount of effort and work he's put in so i'm just a little bit blown away by it is this is this the first time you've been in a guild no i've been in i've i've been in guilds before but never on this level right you know like there are regular raid times that if you want to sign up for a raid you go up to the sign up sheet you have he's got his whole he's got his own system of guild points and there is a there's a trophies room on the website where if you go and kill something with guild friends then you can gain points by sending in a photo and then your names and the photo is put up in the trophy room like it's honestly it's amazing i'm just totally bowled away by this guild and it's really fun and i would like to review it and my review is it's very very fine Chalking up on the board. Effect.
0: I mean, like, it's it's the social aspect of the game that keeps you coming back, right? Like yeah. I know that you like the lore of World of Warcraft and that you like the act of just playing the game on your own, but it does mm-hmm. seem like it's the community and theref- that is the most important thing, and therefore a guild would be the logical step for you.
1: Absolutely, and it's something that's absolutely vital in the classic version of the game, because things like a dungeon finder, where in the retail version you can open a little tab... And you can queue up and you'll be randomly assigned another group of four people so you can play a dungeon. And that's like cross server. Um, and it's just it, it's totally automated, whereas in the classic version of the game that doesn't exist. And you can't play cross server. You've got to genu- you've got to walk into like a city and ask people like I'm, I'm wanting to go into the dead mines will you come with me and heal? Yeah, okay, fine, that's one. Right, we need to find right. three other people. And then you've got to run to the... you have actually got to like travel to the instance. It doesn't just teleport you there instantly. There's no map, so you've got to know what you're doing. And it's just... It's so much more communal, and that's what I like about it. It's the same reason why I like things like Dungeons & Dragons, because you've it entirely depends on the investment of others around you, rather than you just being able to basically play it like a single-player game, but others are there. And, and I mm. don't find that as fun. Cause I'm,
0: I just I don't know I would never I don't think I could ever be socially confident enough to do that I've I've barely ever well no that I could count the number of times that I've played general multiplayer in games on like one hand mm-hmm. like I'm always playing if I'm playing multiplayer it's with friends because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I don't want to inconvenience people by being bad at the game mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what it is but there is definitely something in me that doesn't want to play multiplayer in yeah. the same way that you clearly do. Yeah, exactly. But um, well, it, it, that was your sort of the thing that you got very excited about recently. Um, the thing that I wanted to review in Critics Corner this week was something that I've been enjoying very much with Pixel Girl, and that's The Witcher on Netflix. Uh. Um, I'm not quite sure how we avoided watching it for quite so long, because on paper it's exactly the kind of thing that we would both really enjoy, mm-hmm. um, especially seeing as we're both fans of Game of Thrones up until the got to like season 8 or whatever mm. it was um and uh pixel girl in particular was a big fan of shows like did you ever watch merlin when you were a kid bits and bobs i think yeah yeah um i never it was funnily enough my mom was really into it but i never actually watched it really um and you know the witcher is like a, m- fusing those two together basically with a little dash of mandalorian in there of very nice single dads just trying to take care of dependents um and um yeah it's it's phenomenal we we binged through the entire series i think in the past 4 days um and it's it's just really really good um i do you, you have watched it haven't you i have quite a while ago but i have watched it um i uh, uh, did you like it i guess before I, before i launch into sort of more of a t- t- critique but you
1: enjoyed it would it be fair to say yeah i think so i mean Anything fantasy, I'm into. Yeah, that's definitely my kind of thing. So I do, and I like, I like Henry Cavill a lot. A lot. Um, yeah. One of the reasons why is he's offensively attractive. Do you know what game he plays religiously? World of Warcraft. Indeed, indeed. And which, is, which can only be a good also, thing. He's also
0: he's also a fan of Warhammer forty thousand. He he paints Warhammer. Did you know that he nearly missed his audition for Superman because he was playing he was raiding in WoW.
1: Yeah, and somebody called him, and he said, "I can't pick up the phone." <laughs> which I think is absolutely incredible. I th- I think we need to reach out uh, given given that he combines the worlds of Warhammer 40K and World of Warcraft. I think we need to ask Henry Cavill whether he will appear on the show. An honorary patron of the Can you imagine how cool that would be? If we had... and, and today's special guest is <laughs> Superman.
0: <laughs> well, like cuz I, I there's um a guy I follow on YouTube who if, he, if people like Warhammer, definitely check this guy. It's called Min- Midwinter Minis. Um, and he, he specializes in doing sort of speed painting videos. Um, but he uh, is also from Jersey, which is where Henry Cavill is from. Um, and there was some other connection with him, which I can't remember as well. And he basically put out a challenge that was like, okay, uh, you know, do you want to play Warhammer on my channel? And we'll we'll do it for charity. And he couldn't manage it, Dan. He has <laughs> like a not unsubstantial number of YouTube subscribers. People actually watch his content what chance do we have this 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 podcast of a few hundred devoted listeners? I mean, we can try. Yeah, I I I think it would be astonishing if it actually happened. Uh, yeah, and, and the other thing was, of course, he he's a he's a massive PC gamer and he loves playing The Witcher. Yeah, like that's that was one of his favorite games, um, and and you can really tell, like he really throws himself into the into the role of Geralt, and it's just really good basically um but something that i would like to sort of offer as criticism was and this may uh i i don't know if this will land with you depending on if you remember it or not but um the initial attack that takes place in episode one and keeps you keep sort of getting echoes of it throughout the whole series by nilfgaard yes i think is the name um pixel guy we were talking this through in the car the other day Um, I'd, I'd found that that was the one thing that actually took me out of the whole series was just how um kind of mindless the violence was at the very start of the show because it's you know obviously you you set the tone with a show right you, you're like you need to expect that people will die at the drop of a hat yeah and that's that's fine something that game of thrones does very well but the, it didn't feel like it was motivated Like, there was no way that I did not, until the very last episode, actually, I didn't understand why there was all this violence. Now, you could argue that that's uh, a, um, like a mystery box that the audience has to unravel and, you know, you keep them hooked by offering up that mystery. Mm -hmm. But to me, it just took me out of the show because it didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's comparable to the first season of Game of Thrones. Deliberately putting things in to be points of contention and discussion, right? So it's 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 overtly either graphic or um, there's lots of cursing, or it's quite close to the bone and blue mm. because it means that it will just garner more attention. It's not really there for a, any any one specific reason.
0: Yeah. But, but, but you know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this, but later on in the series you find out that the Nilfgaard people are super, super religious. Yeah. But all you get is that they're super, super religious. You get no further information. And there are going to be people who are going to say, oh, but they're looking for this person. It's like, no, 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 that doesn't explain why they are just murdering ev- like civilians. Mm. Like, this is not a normal military occupation going on. This is like a genocide that is taking place. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it took me out a bit, and it, it took me a little while to get over that, mm. um, getting into the show. But, you know, it's very it's very much worth it. It's really, really good, and I would highly recommend people um, check out The Witcher if they haven't already. Because Season 2 is meant to be coming out in, what, a couple of months, I guess? They just finished production on it. Mm. Um, and, yeah, uh, we've really enjoyed watching it. Have you, have you found any recent
1: watches, Dan? Um, have I found any recent watches? What have I been watching? Oh, tell you what, I have been getting into which has come as a bit of a surprise because I've always been a bit kind of not that phased by it. MasterChef. Uh, I thought that would be dead, dead up your alley. I thought you'd have been watching that for years. Well, that's the thing. I kind of I think I've always been a little bit, oh, whatever, you know, a bit blase about it. But actually, it's really good and it's stupid, really, because I like cooking. So obviously I'd be interested. It's the same reason why I haven't watched Hamilton yet, because I think I I knew in my heart of hearts that I'll really, really like it, but I don't want to be one of those people (laughs) who obsesses over, you know, like, oh my God, have you watched the new thing of MasterChef or whatever? Um, (laughs) But it's good. I really like it. What are the cooking? Because you are a real foodie. What Mm. are your preferred food-based TV shows? As far as terrestrial television goes, I don't think I watch anything aside from recently MasterChef but there are there's some brilliant stuff on Netflix mm. so Chef's Table I've watched all of those episodes across all the seasons that's very fine um Salt Fat Acid Heat is very very good yep oh god golly I'm, I'm having to think Bas- I've watched pretty much all of them but certainly the ones that tend to skew their focus more on the savoury I'm more I have I, I'm more interested in in savoury cooking than you know I'll, I'll watch bake off but if it's if it's a series about people who make really good pastries or desserts i'm less into that because right i prefer the you know like the science behind how flavors change when you roast vegetables for instance oh here's a tip here's a here's a game changing tip oh if you are roasting carrots right honey roasted carrots obviously we all know that's a winner when you start roasting your carrots in a little bit of oil, and then you you had you add the honey typically in the last like ten minutes when they've been, and then that brings up the roasting time to about fifty minutes total. When you when you toss them in oil at the beginning, add sesame seeds. Oh, an absolute revelation! They are the most delicious thing, and so sesame seeds roasted with any kind of vegetable is a bit of a winner, really, especially like a root vegetable. Mm. Um, but next time you roast carrots, toss them in oil, roast them at about. 180 fan or 200 without fan um uh for i don't know half an hour and when you've when you've when you're tossing them in oil scatter over a load of sesame seeds and roast them and then take them out after half an hour drizzle over a bit of honey toss them again and then put them in for another 10-15 minutes and i promise you you will not be disappointed okay yeah um i'll have to give that a go you will be disappointed if you don't like sesame seeds. Okay. <laughs> that probably goes, goes without saying. Little caveat. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, well.
1: I mean, I was going to say then, based on that sort of point, though. I,
0: I presume you watched the episode of Bake Off with uh, Daisy Ridley. I haven't seen it yet.
1: What? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> wait, wait, what? I know. I haven't. I haven't seen it. Lock the door and lock the door and tighten my restraints. My
0: restraints. <laughs> oh my goodness! What I can tell you, Dan, as a spoiler, is that. Um, She's she's vegan which actually I didn't know. Um oh, cool. and not I'm not going to say she's a natural baker. I mean to be fair that's the whole point of getting the celebrities in is that none of them are natural bakers. But yeah. yeah. Uh it's and the one that actually really surprised me. I I've what, I've missed um I have missed a, a couple of episodes for this charity lot. Um the episode with KSI was actually really good.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a really interesting chap. He was it wasn't KSI into Interviewed on in one of Louis Theroux, he was yeah his podcast. He, he, he was cool. He didn't
0: come off very well, I thought, in that because the thing is, he is a bit of a twat. Yeah,
1: um, like he's done a lot of
0: very questionable things and embodies a lot of stuff about YouTube that I don't particularly like. Mm. But when watching him on Bake Off, I was just amazed because he's you know it's like you stripped away all of the showmanship kind of thing, and it was just him, and it was like you know him being delighted at the fact that he made a custard from scratch it yeah. was like this is amazing <laughs> like he's just got one of these personalities that is very i think when he's just being himself it's just it's just inherently likable you can't
1: you can't help but smile <laughs> that's the thing i think when you get to the kind of level and category of youtube that he occupies you can't help but have your personality shift slightly because that's the nature of the gig. Mm. Um, and, and it comes back that it comes back to this I this whole idea of what is a genuine YouTube personality. Because when you say at that level, when you when someone is described as a YouTube personality, it's almost a contradiction in terms. Yeah. Because a personality is something that you would hope to be genuine and unique to you but by adding youtube as a kind of prefix it changes that word personality and it's like this it's it's like reality tv
0: yeah you know it's personality as brand
1: yes exactly um and
0: well this is uh this is a whole like series of talks that you could give i think about you know the intersection of personality what is real what is just the appearance of being real commercializing the self Mm. People should read if people are interested in that kind of thing. I would like to humbly recommend YouTubers by Chris Stokel Walker. It's a book uh, written by a friend of mine. I am actually I don't know if you knew this that I am on the back cover of that book. I am I am the like dust jacket quote. Oh, cool. Um, on a book which I, I didn't know when he he sent me a copy to say because I you know interviewed to help him like research for it, and offered some advice and mm. um he sent me a copy to say thank you and I was like oh wait I I know Simon Clark I that's me. Uh the Obi-Wan Kenobi scene. Um, but um, yeah, if people are interested in that, that sort of side of YouTube, and he actually interviews KSI for the book, it's um, very interesting. Hmm. Do you remember when we started talking about WoW in this section? Yeah, do you remember when we were talking about Handball? Oh, <laughs> God. How long have we been recording for? 50 minutes. Fergus, I am so sorry. Top lad! Well Dan, we find ourselves in Patreon Corner um, I would like to apologise for last episode Due to a um, an ecumenical matter um, There was no music In the Patreon section last week um, Which is particularly funny Because I specifically called out Adam Asking if he liked the music Yeah, I did so. find it when I was listening back to it I thought, hang on <laughs> That was because I requested an edit, and then Fergus had like disabled a layer, I think, that had the music on. And it's it, it is my fault. I, I know Fergus has beat himself up about it a bit, but it is my fault. So um, look, if you're hearing music now, it means that I actually did my job right and like properly reviewed the episode. So you're welcome. Um, do you like the music added, by the way? It's specifically the non-looping version.
1: <laughs> um, but basically, welcome to Patreon Corner. This is well, what is Patreon Corner, Dan? I've been talking well. too much patreon corner is the part of the podcast where we say thank you to those who allow this podcast to exist um, without it we would not be able to pay for our glorious editor um, in fact the, the the editor the editing scholars scheme now that we have had more than one um, <laughs> is that what we're calling it i think that's what we should call it it's like an organ scholar but an editing scholar <laughs> Um, we we take a, a, a young, up-and-coming uh, editor and we give them the opportunity to to work on uh, the executive side of a very successful, professional outfit that is the Wikicast. We also need to pay for our hosting um, and many other glorious things that will hopefully... But the the date is creeping closer when we can
0: actually do something with this money in real life. Exactly. Um, hang on, let me have a quick look. Cause... I do keep a, a thorough. Uh, of course, it's me. Of course, I have a spreadsheet for this. Mm. Um, the wiki cast currently has a balance of. Oh. oh my god, Dan! The wiki cast has nearly three thousand uh, pounds. We can spend. <laughs> um, we need to think about what we could do with that money, Dan. We need to spaff that money somehow.
1: Well, we've said that we want to do merch again, and yes judging how merch went last time bearing in mind when we did merch last time we were doing it with pretty much well we had little capital we had to invest some of our own money and then go back out yeah. so i think i think while that figure might sound like a lot um it will go instantly but also
0: we have the idea from was it two episodes ago of going around little niche festivals um, yes. pretending that we know everything about it and I am so here for that idea yeah that, it's yeah. amazing
1: well perfect that will pay for travel tickets everything so basically for the people
0: who ask who support us that's where your money is going to be going us specifically spaffing it into the wind um and those are the people who donate at patreon.com forward slash the wikicast you literally do keep the lights on thank you very much guys I would like to thank the people who uh, support us with the top cat tier they give five dollars a month which is what the cost of um what's five dollars a
1: month? One and a half coffees.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. An expensive coffee or one and a half normal coffees. Thank you very much, guys, um, for supporting us. Uh, I'd like to thank Elliot Conway, Violet Hatch, Abu el Ella, the physics boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Nafi Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, Dame Valerie the Third. Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jenis Humphreys, Rentz Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Cole Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Shocker Cat, Bendon, Isabel Ostrowski, Matt McGuire,
1: and Dan Hanvey. And I would like to say a massive thank you to our top dog supporters. Um, they are Ben Capels, Josh Shiaga, uh, Henry the seventh King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, uh, Aaron Carey Augustine. Uh, Adrian Chan, Naf Laroch, uh, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at front desk, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Thank you so much. Yeah, it
0: surprises me that ca- Peter Reed, aka Captain Reed, is a is a team dog person. I think about it because he is far more like a cat. I I really like both cats and dogs, but I don't know. I just.
1: I I thought, Cap, that you'd be be on the good side. Never mind. He's he's a a quality chap. I think that's why you can tell he's a top dog. (laughs) Thank you very much, guys. Now, on with the rest of the show.
0: Top lad! Okay, I'm now just going to go through and delete a colossal amount
1: of spam. Do we actually have any
0: yeah, some of these I thought were spam, um, including problem with vomit on a keyboard. Yeah. Let's see. I just don't want to accidentally... It's amazing how the the fine line between genuine
1: correspondence from our community and posting well, is... I'm alarmed by an email that's come through from Pinch Me, and it's the subject is a special thank you gift. Oh. Oh. oh gosh. Very spicy. We have an email here uh, from uh, David... Uh, And David's email is titled, Problem with Vomit on a Keyboard. How is keyboard spelled? (laughs) That's keyboard spelt. K-E-Y-B-O-R-E-D. Keyboard. Very fine. It reads, Dear Dan and Simon, I am emailing to complain about your advice to vomit on a keyboard remark, as that has happened in the past. Now, I think you'll be generous here, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I am emailing to complain about your advice to vomit on a keyboard remark. As that has in the past caused a lot of issues for my family, please refrain from such remarks in the future. Thanks, David. Keyboard. As as always, we appreciate your correspondence. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely superb quality stuff there. Thank
0: when you. when did we advise people to vomit on a
1: keyboard? I think. I think we. I think you said it in an episode last time, where you said basically you could just vomit on a keyboard and we would read it out.
0: Oh God! If it isn't the consequences of my actions. Mm. Oh no! I hate that. What's that coming over the hill? Yep, it's hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has twenty twenty hindsight. Yeah. When it's pointed out. Um, right. Okay. Oh, ah, right. And now we have another email here from Straw and Herb. Thank you very much for emailing in. Um, this is interesting to me. Why I think the subject line is why I think the last episode was flagged. Hello, I think the last episode was flagged by YouTube, not because of any link or anything like that. I think YouTube knew to flag it because of the actual content of the video. YouTube listens. So I think what Straw and Herb is insinuating here is that our content was so... Okay, which way do we want to go for this? It was so good.
1: Yeah, there we go. Perfect.
0: That YouTube is like, we can't have this. This will make Kasak look bad. This mm. is going to make Mr. Beast look bad. We, mm. th- this
1: will not stand. We're quick, pull it. Push the big red button. What YouTube had discovered is that they've found a podcast that exists on their uh, network that is proven to have the Midas touch.
0: <laughs> now, uh, did we talk about this a couple of weeks ago? Like the reverse Midas touch? Everything that you touch turns to I think that seems to ring a bell. but it's, it's, It sounds like a Dan and Simon conversation. <laughs> which would be which would be worse everything you touch turns to gold or everything you touch turns to shit?
1: I think I think it would all be pretty rubbish wouldn't it I mean because the thing is if if stuff that you touch turns to gold
0: it, 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 it gold is insanely dense it's yeah. it's like Brexiteers. like if if it will if if you turn a, a building to gold for example the structure of that building will change it will collapse it might collapse on you Whereas if you turn a building to, it's just going to smell bad. I mean, it will also collapse, and it'll be like the molasses incident. Mm. But like, it's not as bad, you know. No. Um, I, th- I mean, they're both pretty awful situations to be in. that's us be real. Yeah. Um, but so what and Herb is saying is that your 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 content is just too powerful for the algorithm. It cannot be contained. Yeah. Um. It's actually quite easy, they write. YouTube turns the audio into text and then searches for any problematic words or phrases in it. Have a nice day slash night, up. and herb. Um. So, uh, is this episode going to get flagged? What did we talk about? I don't think oh. so. I
1: think Surely be right. we'll be all right. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I mean, I also think that the majority of people who consume podcasts at the rate... Of most of our or most of the readership don't typically consume them on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I'm always interested by people like where people choose to consume the podcast, um, whether that's Spotify or Podbean or YouTube or, or whatever it may be, because we, we get a few hundred views, uh, listens, if you like, of the podcast, and it's in. I well, I was about to say it's impossible to know how many people actually you know listen through to the end. Of course, it's completely possible. I'm just being lazy. Yeah. Um. But um. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I, I'm very curious to see... To, to, I would be very curious to learn why certain people listen on YouTube versus somewhere else Mm. if that is you tell you what there's lots of prompts we didn't we we, it was we've had a relatively sparse week or two now for correspondence um which i can completely understand because why would anyone email in but there's plenty of there's plenty of prompts here i want to hear from you about where if you listen on youtube to podcasts and it could not necessarily just us but like generally why do you do so Mm. we want to talk about um sports that people played especially any unusual sports because i bet you there are people who have who've done really unusual things in this community like I don't know extreme ironing or something yeah. like there's going to be some sport that we've never even heard of that people will be an expert in in this community mm. um and then I don't know Dan what else can they email in about
1: I mean as has been proven <laughs> L- literally anything. <laughs> We're keen to hear about anything. I've just incidentally logged uh, logged into our our Podbean account hmm. which is the the glorious uh, company that that so kindly hosts this podcast. Thank you Podbean.
0: Thank you Mr. Podbean.
1: And uh they've rejigged the user interface of of the website and it looks slick. It's it's nice. Oh yes, they did. Yes, yes, yeah. Um and I'm just looking at so in the last 30 days um Episodes of the Wikicast have been downloaded 5,222 times. Far too many. That's shameful. In terms of all-time downloads, it's 263,400.
0: <laughs> Far too many times. That's
1: just a bit nuts, isn't it? But what I wanted to look at was... Here we go. If I go into statistics...
0: You know how in um, like Iraq, the American campaign was very much hearts and minds? Mm. I feel like we're having a hearts and minds influence, but that's a very bad influence. <laughs> It's 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 worse. I guess it's similar to what the Americans did in Iraq in that case.
1: I'm I'm looking at the I love looking at the state by state breakdown of uh, listeners uh in in the US. Mm. And I checked this I can't remember when I last checked this, but I, I noticed that we never had any listeners in Alaska. Oh what we now have two. Hey! So, if you are listening and you're one of those uh, one of those listeners in Alaska, email in and let us know because you you deserve some recognition. We have the the, the most listeners uh, reside in in California, uh, California, then followed by Pennsylvania, then Washington, then Illinois, then New New York.
0: oh which is pretty well, cool. basically following population. I'm so happy that we've reached Alaska.
1: That's yeah, that's fantastic. Good job, Alaskans. In general, I think we have a few more listeners state by state in Canada than we do in the US. Which, I don't know why that surprises me, but it does.
0: Well, I mean, it would be, be surprising if there'd be more Canadians listening than Americans. Um, so many more Americans.
1: Because,
0: mm. you know, it's, it's, it's the classic thing of, like, um, you know, uh, maps that seem to indicate that, I don't know, like, people who own homes are more likely to shoot themselves in the face. And it's like it's just a map of like population density. Yeah. you know it's like, like Texas always comes up top and you know, stuff stuff like
1: that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, sim- simple simple statistics, I guess. Oh, this is cool. So they're doing a new breakdown on the website where you can view downloads by time of day. Oh, okay, So typically, between the hours of 11 a.m and 4 pm., that's when most people... Download the podcast, which surprises me because I thought most people would download it and listen to it in the morning, especially when you consider commutes. Yeah. Well, well, what commutes now? <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I don't actually
0: tend to listen to very many podcasts at the moment. I listen to The Greatest Generation, and that's normally if I'm out on a walk or if I'm washing up. So that's more of like an evening kind of thing. But then, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, I don't understand how podcast statistics work because... When you download a show versus when you listen to it mm-hmm. uh, can be very different things. Like, I imagine a lot of people just have it set to download as soon as it comes out, surely. Mm.
1: I'd have thought so. I don't know. It's almost like we don't know what we're talking about, Dan. Crazy. So, Simon, what have we learned today? Well, Dan, we learned f***ing cool. Uh, I'll be honest with you. <laughs>
0: Lovely. Uh, allegedly, we learned, according to the title, we learned about the new Caledonia men's national handball team. But there was nothing to learn about, and I don't
1: think we actually improved ourselves whatsoever this episode. Fair enough. And that's all for this week's episode. Oh, wait, but we don't say week, do we? Because no, we're not idiots. he fell foul of it. <sighs> And that's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice, join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric.
0: Unusual sports, more vomit on keyboards, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at gmail.com. We would love to
1: hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And we'll see you next time.